Tēnā koe, no mai hoki mai ki te Taringin Te Reo Māori Podcast ko Grant Whitbourne tōku ingoa. Welcome back to the podcast, welcome to another episode. My name is Grant Whitbourne and I will be your host for today. Now in this episode we're going to be talking about something that's again a little bit left field of our standard kaupapa, our normal corridor around Te Reo Māori and lessons and all those sorts of things. Uh, we're going to have a look at some new technology and the reason why I want to talk about this and the reason why it's relevant is because it's something that I want to introduce into this kaupapa, into the starting in Te Reo Māori kaupapa and through this discussion you'll see how this particular technology has relevance and can be implemented into so many different kaupapa within Te Reo Māori, in the Māori economy and all of those uh, areas in which our people operate. So if you did catch the end of episode 33 of the podcast, you will recall that I started talking about blockchain technology, and you've probably heard of that in particular within the cryptocurrency space. Now please don't tune off, don't tune out just yet when I say that big scary word cryptocurrency, because there is a relationship between the two uh, things that we're going to be talking about today with uh, cryptocurrency, and it does sort of sit within that blockchain space so if you're familiar with it um, some of this might not be completely new to you if you aren't familiar with that space then it might be a little bit new but please stay with me for this episode because it's really fascinating it's really interesting and I think you'll get a lot out of it now the focus of today's discussion is on this thing called NFTs now explain I'll explain in a little bit more detail shortly what that acronym means but for now let's just keep that in our mind NFT so I'm going to tell you um, explain not only in this episode, but in a couple more episodes, uh, what NFTs are and why they're important and the things that they can apply to. Now, I'm not just talking about a cryptocurrency here. I'm not talking about this uh, this digital money that can just be traded around. It's something completely different. I'm going to talk about what the NFTs, what NFTs look like in the Maldi digital economy. And I'm also going to talk about what NFTs look like in the starting in Tereo Maldi Kopapa, because there is space to introduce them. So what on earth is an NFT? What does NFT, the acronym NFT, stand for? It stands for non-fungible token. So we'll start off with fungible. What does fungible mean? For something to be fungible, it means that the units that make up the whole are all identical and they can be easily traded. So for instance, an example would be money. Money is fungible. If I take a dollar, I can break it down into five identical 20 cent pieces and I can trade those uh, with other people that makes something fungible. Other things might include money or money, uh, grain, gold, all of those sorts of things that um, that are identical. We could probably think of things like commodities are uh, somewhat fungible. So what is non-fungible? Non-fungible means that it can't be broken down into identical units. So for instance, we'd be looking at things like cars or sculptures or artwork or houses or phones anything like that is non-fungible and the word token relates to it being a token that lives on the blockchain so non-fungible token is something that can't be broken down into smaller identical parts and traded um, traded equally amongst people it's just a single thing a single token that has to be traded in whole on its own and therefore it is 100% unique it's 100% unique. No, it cannot be replicated. It can't be copied. Now, I'm not talking about a digital file of a photo or something that you can just right-click on and go copy-paste, make a copy of. This is a unique 
piece of data that lives on the blockchain and cannot ever be replicated. So you might be able to take a screenshot of it and go, well, you know, here I've got a copy of this now, but that's not true because it doesn't have the the record that lives on the blockchain behind it to say that it is unique and that validates its uniqueness. Think of it in the physical world as if you've got a piece of art that doesn't have a certificate of authenticity attached to it. How would you ever know whether that's an original or not? If it doesn't come with the certificate of authenticity, then you would assume that it is not the original. It's not authentic and it's not the original. Hey, uh, Mr. Seller, trying to give me, sell me this piece of art, you don't have a certificate of authenticity, so it's not worth the $500,000 that you're trying to sell it for because it, it then becomes not the artwork that holds the value, but the artwork plus the certificate plus the record that says it's authentic. That's where the value is derived from, and the same principle applies to NFTs. You've got this piece of uh, data that lives on the blockchain, and it's verified on the blockchain, so therefore that becomes the digital certificate of authenticity for that particular item. So I want you to pause this episode for a moment. I want you to hit pause and go onto a website called OpenSea.io, O-P-E-N-S-E-A.io. And this is going to give you a view into the NFT world and what NFTs are. So at the moment, it's primarily an art space. So similar to art in real life, having a certificate or a record that says it's authentic, we've now got these pieces of art that are being traded, that are being created online that uh, live on the blockchain and therefore have a digital record, digital proof that they are authentic. And with that authenticity becomes a level of scarcity. And so therefore, these pieces of artwork and, and whatever else is on there now have some value to the people that give them value and want to apply value. So you'll see on there that a lot of these items are, are being traded, are being sold, and sometimes for a little bit of money, sometimes for a lot of money. Okay, so hopefully now you've had a chance to go on OpenSea and have a look at some of the pieces of NFT, primarily art, which are out there, which are available. And the question that is now being posed, possibly by yourself and definitely one that I need to answer, is why are they important? Why would someone pay, and if you've seen some of the conversion rates of the cryptocurrency prices to um, to dollar values, why would someone pay tens of thousands of dollars for a picture of a cat? Why would someone pay tens if not hundreds of thousands of dollars for a very low bit 8-bit image of someone's head. Why are these important and why the hell are people paying so much money for them? Well, it comes down to identity and the identity that we hold as human beings, but in the digital space. So what we're seeing is this this bridge now that's starting to exist and it's starting to form. It's in, it's in its infancy where we've gone from having an identity in the physical world and to complement that nowadays, we've got an identity that lives within the digital world. Now, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, this didn't exist. We only had identity that existed in the physical world. But now, nowadays, 2021 and all the way through to 2030, 40, 50, 60, 70, we will have generations that grow up in both a physical and a digital world. The this, the generation that's coming through now, our 12, 13, 14, 15, 16-year-olds, they're the first generation for that to occur, where they've lived in a world that is both physical and digital. And I'm not just talking about using computers, but having an identity in that space. 
think about growing up as a teenager. Like if you're if you're in your thirties, forties, fifties, and beyond, think about growing up as a teenager back in the sixties, seventies, eighties, nineties, and even the early two thousands. You had things that were really important to you because they form part of your identity. It might have been a particular style of shoes you wore, or a particular style of clothing that you wore, or a TV show that you affiliated yourself with, or a series of movies that you were really into. There's there's all these different um, factors within the physical world that attribute to our identity as people. And, and even now as an adult, you'll have things that you, know, you you attribute to your identity. Well, our young people that are growing up in the world today where they've got this physical identi- identity in the physical world and identity in the digital world, they've still got in the physical world these things that they're interested in, sports teams that they follow, brands that they affiliate themselves with, hairstyles, makeup styles, groups of friends that they hang out with, Um, different sports that they play, all of those little factors that make up their identity in the physical world, they've also got that in the digital world. And like I said before, they're the first generation to have that. So what am I talking about? that makes up their identity in the phys- in the in the digital world well you know they become they they get a social following and suddenly they've got a blue check mark on their social media platforms that is a piece of their digital identity you go onto their instagram page and it's styled a certain way and it's um, curated a certain way that is part of a digital identity they've got a facebook page that again is similarly styled in a particular way they've got a follow account that has a k at the end of it as in they've got 1k 2k 10k 20k 30k that's another piece of their digital identity so we're going to see these generations that keep going past this one beyond this one the kids in 20 30 40 50 where their identity in the physical world is just as important if not less important than their identity in the digital world and that's where nfts come in that's where they come into that space because the nfts contribute to a person's identity within the digital space so how does that work? How, how does this practically work? Like I can sit here and tell you that people want to express themselves in this digital space and express their identity, but what does that actually look like? So let's look at some examples. If you go back to OpenSea, you'll see when you click on a piece of artwork that that artwork is actually owned by someone. So there's someone that's created that piece of art, then there's someone that owns that piece of art. Now, it might be the same person, or the art might have been transacted around and it's owned by a particular person. You can click on that person's profile, and you can now see all of the pieces of digital art, all of the NFTs that that person holds and that person owns. So now, you know, if you want to snoop on someone or or you want to suss someone out, you might go on their Facebook page, or you might go check out their Instagram profile or their TikTok page and try and get some insights into who they are that will be the next frontier it'll be this digital wallet that holds all of your nfts all of the the digital items that you own will sit in a wallet and that'll be public people can see that in public or you can hide it um, but for someone that's wanting to show off their digital identity that'll be something that they want to show off and something that they want people to see so it won't be the in 20 years time it won't be the case of having a look on someone's facebook page to see the things that they're sort that they're into or the people that they hang out with it'll be going on to these wallets and looking at the NFTs that they hold and to get an idea on who they are. And, and I know at the moment OpenSea is primarily just artwork, but that will expand. It'll expand, expand massively, and I'll talk about that shortly. So here's a practical example, okay? Let's say in 20 years' time, 
Nike decides that with every piece of clothing, every physical object that they sell, when you buy that at the register, whether it's at Rebel Sport or somewhere else, when you buy that, you don't actually get a, well, you get a, you get a tax invoice, you get a receipt, but along with that item, you also get an NFT. And that says you just bought these uh, really nice $200 pair of Nikes and you're now going to get an NFT that sits in your public wallet. So you're a kid at school, you've, uh, you've gone to, you know, your parents have gone to Bali and they've bought you a, a pair of Nikes and you wear them to school and you go, oh, check out these Nikes. And one of the kids goes, mm, they look like knockoffs, they're not real. And they go, no, 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 they're real, they're legit. And they go, they look in your wallet and they go, bro, where's your NFT? That is... That's not real. That's not legit. Whereas some kid, some other kid comes to school and he's got some real ones, and people look in his NF, look in his wallet and go, mm, they're legit. He's got the NFT. He's got the verifiable uh, piece of information that says that what he's got is real. Now, if you think this example is a little bit too far fetched, well, let me tell you now. There are clothing lines, including Nike, that have released clothes already that come with NFTs. So now you can use that NFT to demonstrate that you actually own that particular item in the real world. And this is where we're starting to see the crossover of NFTs not only in the digital space, but in the physical world as well. And, and this only helps to bridge that gap between the two worlds. And this is only just one example. Well, I've given you two examples here of how NFTs would work in both the art space that you can probably see on OpenSea at the OpenSea.io now and a pair of Nike shoes. But what else could this be applied to? Well, soon the days will be gone of buying a ticket to a show to a sports event. It'll become an NFT and that NFT can't be replaced. You're not going to have scalpers anymore. You won't have QR codes that can simply be copied and replicated. You'll have an, an NFT that sits in your wallet that no one else can touch, no one can ever replicate. Um, I, I, I really, and, and listening to some of the guys that are talking about this sort of technology, they're saying that in the next five to ten years, we're not going to see tickets sold like that anymore. Everything will become an NFT, and for good reason, because it's got so much security behind it. It can't be replicated it can't be scammed, it can't be scalped, it can't be any of those things. So the space it just has so much room to grow. So a couple of other interesting points about NFTs. Well, you need a cryptocurrency to buy them. So at the moment, not everyone has crypto, holds cryptocurrency, has a wallet that they can hold cryptocurrency in. So to be able to um, to be able to transact in this space, well, you'll need to move into having a wallet, move into having uh, crypto holding cryptocurrency that you can use to buy and trade NFTs. Uh, the other really interesting thing about NFTs is you can write smart contracts with them. So remember that example I said about the pair of Nike shoes. So you go to buy something in the physical world in the storefront and you get an NFT. Well, that NFT might actually come with something that's written into the back of it as a piece of code. Now, for example, that could say that when you buy this $250 pair of shoes, you're actually going to get 5% off on the next trend and next transaction you buy and that can't ever be falsified it can't ever be replaced by anything it's like it's just set in stone so you can build into these things what's called utility so I could sell a piece of artwork for instance and when you buy that piece of artwork or if you hold that piece of artwork because it might be trade you might go on and trade it uh, it might give you access to a particular event 
that the artist is holding. So it's it's not just the thing that you're buying. You can actually build into these NFTs all sorts of things, and, and that's where the flexibility uh, and, and a lot of the really interesting characteristics can be built into NFTs. And the last piece of interesting information I'm going to provide on this inf- uh, podcast episode about NFTs is what has been the highest price paid for an NFT for a piece of digital art? Okay, you better sit down for this one. A piece of artwork, a piece of digital artwork, has sold for $69 million. $69 million. I'm not joking. It's sold for $69 million. Now, for someone for, for someone that's not in the digital space, for someone that can't appreciate uh, art, whether that's in the physical world or, the, or can't appreciate digital art, um, that would just seem so incredibly ridiculous. And maybe it is. Maybe that piece of artwork will not hold its value and drop to zero. Who knows? But the value is not defined by you or me that's not interested in it. The value of these particular items is built by the people that are interested in buying them. And if there's 100 people that want to buy one item, well, that one item has a lot of value. If there's 100 items that only one person wants to buy, well, those 100 items don't have a lot of value. And that's the really basic principle of supply and demand. So there's a bit of an overview on NFTs and in the next couple of episodes I'm going to talk a little bit more about how they could exist within the uh, digital uh, multi economy and how I'd like to try and implement them into the starting in Tadeo multi copa because I can see some really interesting avenues as well outside of the artwork space. So thanks for joining in. Uh, if you've made it to the end of this episode, thank you so much for listening along. Like I said at the start, um, it might have scared some people off but um, it's not a scary space it is a new space but um, it's something that I think in the next you know five years it's going to be massively embraced in the next 10 years it will probably be applied to nearly every aspect of our life so thanks for tuning in and we'll talk soon kia ora. and that's another language lesson to add to your kete of knowledge hey could you do me a favor if you're listening to this podcast on apple Podcasts or any other player could you jump on and leave a rating and a review? When you do, it helps awesome people just like you, people that are starting out learning Tareo Māori to find this show even faster. If you want to catch up, I'm always hanging out in the Starting in Tareo Māori Facebook group, so you can jump over to Facebook, search that, and we can catch up there. And one last thing, if you're ready to get started, if you're looking to take a more formalized approach to learning Tareo Māori, you can check out my self-paced course at startingintareomaldi.com forward slash self-paced course or you can check out a link for it in the description of this episode. And that's it from me. I'll see you on the next episode of the Starting Into Real Maldi podcast.